Amen. Amen. Welcome back, everybody. How are you feeling? You doing okay? Welcome home. So glad you decided to join us today for worship. If you don't know me, my name is David. I am uh, the lead pastor here. So excited to be sharing from the scriptures as we continue in Philippians today. Uh, Before we begin, just like Pastor Jeff and Brooke and all the kids said adorably just a moment ago, Happy Mother's Day. I have so many amazing moms in my own life. My mom is in the back of the room, probably crying just a little bit. Any? Not yet? Okay, it's coming. I know it's coming. Um, I've got an amazing mother in Mississippi right now who's watching. Diane, we love you. We miss you. You're such a great mother. And I've got uh, the greatest mom sitting in the front row over here who doesn't say uh, anything about it, but she is so amazing. Rebecca, mother of my children, the cute, I'm not going to say the cutest kids, but tied for cutest kids in that video, okay? Tied at least. Yeah? Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, And so, just in an effort to honor everyone, um, like Brooke said, we know that this day is challenging for everyone eventually. And so, we just want to take a moment to pray and then ask what God would just uh, just, uh, meet us in this moment. And that God would open our eyes to his presence as we just thank him for moms everywhere. So, let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would just be with us today. We ask that you would open our eyes to your presence, that we might leave here today different, that we might leave here changed. God, for whatever reason we showed up, um, to be with mom, to bring mom, whatever it is, God, we thank you for moms. And we thank you that you believed in moms enough that you came to the world through a mom. So Jesus, we, we just acknowledge that you have your hand in all of this. And we just... Ah, God, we just thank you. And we ask that you would be with us as we continue to learn today. So it's your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes today, um, as we move on to chapter 3 of 4 of Philippians, I'd like to call this message to know and be known. To know and be known. So if you have your Bibles, follow me. Philippians 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 today. To know and be known. Now, as I was preparing today and uh, reading and kind of praying through the text like I always do, I was reminded of when I first met my unbelievably amazing wife, Rebecca, uh, the greatest woman in human history at the time. uh, It was probably 2010. It was 2010. And I was living in Minneapolis, having uh, just finished up school, uh, living with some friends when we started this band. We started a country band. I know. Can you believe it? All denim, a country band, I know. And so we were there, the band was called Backstories. And, uh, and the band, the whole purpose of the band was to, to tell a story of what brought someone from where they were up until the present. And so one day, as a band, we were asked to open for this other group called Jenny and Tyler. They're this amazing duo out of Nashville. And, um, and they had a couple songs placed in TV and, and film, and they're just, they're just amazing. And so they asked, because uh, they were coming up, and they heard that we were around, and... And they asked us to open, and we were so happy to be a part of it. Long story short, the show goes great, and, um, and as we were packing up, heading home, the Lord used them in such a beautifully prophetic way when they said to me, after the show, they said, David, great job. I think that our fans would really like your music. You need to go onto our social media and add them. So I was like, okay, this, sound, this sounds good. You know, we eventually make our way home, and I, and I jump onto their social media, which was MySpace at the time. Does anyone remember MySpace? 
Manny, I know you still have your top eight somewhere. I feel that. So I'm on their MySpace page, and as I scroll down, this all connects in a moment, as I scroll down, in their list of top friends was, again, the incomparable, always elegant and thoughtful, beautiful and brilliant Miss Rebecca Johnson. But at the time, at the time, she was Miss, Mrs., Ms., uh, Rebecca Varner. And so you can take a look, actually, this is kind of our throwback. So cute, right? And this is us after we kind of met in a whole nother world ago. It feels like a completely different life. But anyway, you can, you can clear that. Thank you, Carly. And so, and so I'm scrolling down, and I see this woman, and as a very single man with so much love to give, I click, I click add friend. Okay, don't judge me, Dean. Where are you at, Dean? I know. I know you're looking at me. And so from there, as a hopeless romantic, I start to check out her profile a bit just to figure out, you know, who, who this girl is. And, and I see that she's living in the deep south, Mississippi, that she's got brown hair, beautiful smile. She loves Jesus, and she's also a singer-songwriter. And at this point, at the risk of looking intense and sounding intense and desperate, I put her name into Facebook as well, right? And I add her as a friend there too. And I keep digging for more information. I keep looking for more information. By the end of the night, I knew that she had this eclectic love for owls, that her favorite movies were Garden State, The Goonies, and, and that she still had a great-grandmother who was alive and kicking. She drove a Nissan, loved the book Blue Like Jazz, and I am just hooked. So hooked. It was fun to learn about her. The little details from a distance that helped make her her. Now, eventually, she cautiously accepted my friend request and we start talking, and honestly, like, it's like my whole life. It's like my whole life turned from, like, black and white to vivid color. Like the, the Wizard of Oz, anybody? You know, like, the tornado hits and she walks out the door and all of a sudden she sees the world in a whole new way. I was so impressed with this girl I was learning more and more about, so much so that after a week of talking on Facebook Messenger, I booked a flight to meet her in Mississippi. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what she must have been thinking. And her parents, as dad dusts off the shotgun, you know what I'm saying? Like, but anyway, I get on a plane, and I head south with such anticipation such hopeful optimism to finally see her and meet her in person. I land in Jackson, Mississippi. I rent a car. I drive over to this amazing coffee spot called Cups, and, and we were going to meet on her lunch break. And I'm waiting there, sitting, if you can imagine, just sitting in this coffee shop, so nervous, trying to remember every detail trying to remember all the facts and figures and all the things that I'd learned about her and how amazing I believed she was. And then I get a text. I'm sitting there. I get a text. She's here. I'm so nervous. I, I turn around. The door opens, and I see her walking in. She comes over to the table. She sits down. We start talking, and it was so awkward. <laughs> it was so terrible and weird. <laughs> like, like we just didn't know what to say. We just didn't know what to say. The moment felt forced as we couldn't quite catch a rhythm for how to be 
together in person. Okay, okay, what happened, right? Where was the tension? We talk about this sometimes because looking back, I think, I think we both know as excited as we were to meet, as excited as we were and as, as compatible as we were on paper, as invested as we were from a distance, the reality we walked into that day at Cups was we just didn't know each other. We didn't know each other. We, we knew about each other. We knew all about each other while simultaneously not knowing anything about each other at all. We knew details. We knew facts, personalities, and, and, and some history, but it was all secondhand. We didn't have any memories together. We didn't have any mistakes or moments. So even with all the information sitting across from her felt foreign felt foreign. Now, that first trip was absolutely dreadful. I love you, babe. It's just so dreadful. And it really is a miracle from the Lord that we're married today, because after that first encounter, after that first moment, that initial introduction, I never, ever saw it working. But we are married today. And we, <laughs> thank you, mom. There we go. <laughs> and we do have an incredible relationship because over time, we both choose to build and collect our moments together. We both committed to making memories and, and moving beyond just the facts to invest time and energy into an actual friendship. We move beyond the facts into friendship. And, and I think it really comes down to this. We decided to know each other, to know and be known by one another. To know and be known, and now we're here 10 years later. Now, where, where are we going with this? The longest introduction ever. Some old family photos. Good question. Well, as I was thinking about our passage for today, Philippians 3, 1 through 11, in the same way we felt meeting for the first time, sitting across from one another at this cool coffee shop in Jackson, Mississippi, knowing all about each other, but having no idea what to say, in the same way, I, I've seen this pattern, this moment, this interaction find its way into, into the church as well as faithful people, well-intentioned church people learn and learn and study and study and process and debate and learn some more uh, about God for, for years and decades growing in understanding growing in knowledge from what I've seen is that those facts don't always lead to friendship and the knowledge acquired doesn't always result in actually knowing you know where folks they, they show up for a study to learn about God. They show up to a sermon to hear about God. I'm glad you're here. To show up to a small group to talk about God. Faithfully attending church to learn more, but when they arrive in God's presence, like me in Mississippi, they don't always know what to say. They don't always know what to say. I wonder if anyone here has ever felt at a loss for words when it comes to knowing and being known by God. I wonder if anyone here has ever had a hard time praying. I wonder if anyone here has ever had a hard time or felt a bit disingenuous during worship, wondering if you really believe what you're singing. I 
or wondering, is God even listening? Yeah, I, the truth is we've all been in a place. We've all been there trying to find the starting line in a race we've already been running. We've all been there as we've gained knowledge that hasn't for one reason or another resulted in greater relationship. We've all been there. We have all, everyone at some level has invested our lives. We've invested our lives trying to do the right thing for God instead of leaning in and seeking the best thing with God. We've all been there. We have all been there. But listen, if there's one thing I need you to understand today, if there's only one thing, let it be this. Even with all the knowledge, all the good things, all the details, all the understanding, even with it all, there is no more important thing than knowing and being known by God. There's no more important thing in the entirety of your human experience the knowing and being known by God. To know and be known by God is the, is the unrivaled peak of life this side of heaven. There is no greater thing, no amount of data collection, no amount of secondhand experience, no amount of professional achievement, no amount of personal piety can ever replace or compare or compete with knowing him. Knowing him, to know and be known, there is no greater thing. Now, now some of you might be thinking, Pastor, obviously, I got that. I read that in the Bible. I know that to be true. And yet, I'm here, having collected more data and more information and still feeling distant. So what, what do I do about it? Because I think we can abstractly believe and understand that, yes, knowing God, there is no greater thing. But how do we actually move beyond the awkward introductions to really step into and form a beautiful, rich, and robust relationship with God? Well, that's what we see from the Apostle Paul as we in our, in our passage today from Philippians chapter 3, 1 through 11. And it's a bit of Bible, but stick with me because it's so incredibly worth it and so worth of your intention. So if you have your Bibles, again, open up. We're just going to read it through all at once, and then we'll break it down after the fact. It'll also be on the screen. So here we go. How to, how to know and be known, starting in verse 1. It says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what God, uh, Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though, verse 4, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more, exclamation point. And this is where Paul kind of slides his resume across the table in verse 5. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the 
law without a single fault. Paul, the man, and yet he says this in verse 7. I once thought these things, from verse 5 and verse 6, I thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when it compared with the infinite value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing and being known. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. We're just about done here. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other, I will experience resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. What did we just read? Well, I think what Paul is really getting at here in verses 1 through 11 is he's saying as amazing as knowledge is, as amazing as facts or positions are, as amazing as your background or your family legacy might be, as amazing as your behaviors or, or your personal holiness are, Paul is saying that nothing you can do, nothing you can do for God or know about God can substitute for actually knowing God. There's nothing you can do for God or know about God that can substitute for actually knowing him. Paul says, if knowing about God or doing the right thing could save you, he'd be the first one into heaven. He fit all the criteria to cut in line, right? He was circumcised on the eighth day as required by Jewish law. He was a pure-blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee, which meant he was crazy disciplined to observe Jewish law. Paul was the man. He was the man. And if anyone was good enough to gain God's favor, it was him. He had perfect church attendance, guys. He joined a group and every team. He tithed every week and brought his offering above. That's what I'm saying. And, and, he, and, and where did all of these qualifications lead him? What was the result after this, this perfect on paper, disciplined life? Where did all of his knowledge about God leave him? It left him alone, bitter, chasing after Christians to arrest and kill them. Because Paul, with all he knew, he never understood. With all he knew, he never understood, and the result of his life of faith was fear. It was anger, aggression, prejudice, marginalization, exclusivity, and pride. This was the the fruit of his life before knowing But then Jesus, he opens his eyes to his presence, right? On the road to Damascus. You probably know the story. And it's there that everything changed for Paul as he finally, as he finally met God. He had years of knowing. Years of knowing, but now he knew. And so he says in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless 
because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, as loss, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul is saying to know and be known by God, there is no greater thing. There is no greater thing. And what's so absolutely amazing What's so absolutely amazing is God, the creator of the universe. This is, this is actually his greatest dream for your life. This isn't a one-sided relationship. God wants to know and be known by you. God isn't expecting you to put in all the work knowing that, that, that he's just out of reach. No, God went out of his way to make the first move. God made out of his way. God went out of his way to make the first move. In fact, we heard this in Ephesians just a moment ago when Caitlin read that, that even before the world was made, God knew you and planned his introduction. Even before the world was made, God knew you and chose you and planned that first time to meet you for coffee. Because of his great love for the world, God chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5 of Ephesians, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love this. This is what he wanted to do. Why? Because it gave him great pleasure. And I I don't know who needs to hear that today. I'm, I'm confident that someone here this morning needs to hear it. When it comes to a relationship, God is here for it. God is here for you, and he has no greater dream for your life than to know and be known by him. He doesn't want you to be good enough on your own. Isn't that crazy? God doesn't want you to be good enough on your own. He doesn't want you to show up to church to abstractly collect information from a distance. God does not want you to study his word so you can solve his mysteries so you don't need him anymore. God just wants to know you. And be known by you. But again, we know this. We know this. So back to the beginning, how do we how do we get there? How do we begin to make this change? How do we begin to make the change from knowing about God to growing in faith and friendship? How do we get there? Because I tell you what, that first coffee with Rebecca, again, was was rough. And in the moment, I was like, no way this is going to work. Put me back on the plane. Even with all I knew, even with all I knew, friendship felt so far away from her. And so what do we do for everyone here feeling distant with God? What do we do? Well, I'd say it's actually incredibly practical. And there are three quick things I'd like to walk you through real quick. It'll be on the screen as well. We just need to get there. We need to be there. And we need to grow there. I feel good about that phone call, too. (laughs) We need to get there. We need to be there, and we need to grow there. Say that with me real quick. We'll just do it together. We say, get get there, be there, grow there. One more time. We need to get there, be there, and grow there. Starting with get there. If you want to grow in your friendship and relationship with God, then you need to get in his proximity. You need to recognize his presence. You need to to choose to get back into his presence, to metaphorically book that flight, board the plane, rent the car, and show up. Then stick around long enough to make some memories. 
Get there, stay there long enough for you to see firsthand all the things you believe and know are true about God. What do I mean by this? Practically, you can't know God without spending time with God. You can't build trust and friendship with God if you don't see him as a part of your everyday life. When you keep God theoretical, he'll never become relational. Let me say this a different way. When you keep God something you study, he'll never become more than a hobby. So what does that look like to get there and stay there with God? Well, I think there are some communal but also some individual responses that we can all take today. And good news, first thing, you're already doing it. God tells us not to forsake gathering together. He tells us to gather, and not just so we can be together with one another, but so we can be together with him. Verse 1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So get to church. Rejoice together in all that God has done. Be here. Make it a priority to gather every single week to hear from God in community. And then, as Pastor Jeff and Pastor Manny talk about, join a team. Join a group. This is a great opportunity to disrupt your day-to-day in community, to create new life rhythms that prioritize time in your week to just be with God. To just be with God. So, so get to church, join a group. Now, now, individually, this probably looks different for all of us. And again, this is totally amazing. Because God doesn't want to just hang out with us at church. Hallelujah, right? That God is bigger than a building. God wants to see us out everywhere. God wants to share space with us at work, at the park, at dance rehearsal. God wants, God wants to share space with your friends and your family at the garden, at the pub. God just wants to share space. He wants your attention. God wants your attention and your company. God wants to spend time with you wherever and whenever, but it's up to you to get there. It's up to you to get there, to stay there. And this is point number two, to be there. To be there. Now, what does that mean? Well, have you ever been out with someone and it was just obvious that they were somewhere else? Like they're on their phone, kind of looking off in the distance, thinking about something else. Maybe they're multitasking and you're there for it. You're you're ready to go. You're available, but they were totally disengaged. Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is what so often happens in the church. We show up. We get there. We might even stay there in God's presence, but we're so preoccupied with so many other things, so much other life, that even though we're here, we're really somewhere, somewhere else. We're somewhere else. Anybody have a hard time focusing? Anybody have a hard time focusing this morning? How many times have we scrolled already during the sermon? Anybody? I've always had a hard time focusing. I remember back when I was a kid, we'd go to Bible camp, and, and um, after breakfast, they'd have these devotional times, and we'd all have to go back to our cabins and like pray or read the Bible. And I just promise you, I promise you, every time I would get back in my bunk and I'd get my Bible out, and no matter how hard I tried, I would stare off into the distance and eventually fall asleep. They actually called this, they coined this, spending time in the Word, okay? So... I have such a hard time focusing. I have a hard time prioritizing time. But this is the norm, because there's so much competing for our attention. 
There is so much that we carry with us, so many distractions we face, this side of heaven, that keep us from being present. That keep us from being present. Paul talks about this in verse 2 when he says straight up, watch out for those dogs who do evil, who want to convince you that God is unnecessary. Think about the dogs in your life that drag you away from obedience to Jesus. Dogs of, of, of success, maybe. Dogs of safety and security. Dogs of sexuality and even dogs of our stuff. Just the stuff we acquire that tricks us and distracts us and steals, us, steals all our attention away from God. And, and, and we've all got them. We've all got those dogs begging for our attention, trying to take us away from our focus with God. So how can we really be there with God? How can we not fall asleep in the cabin when we try to pray? Honestly, this is probably, this probably isn't the most popular approach, but, but it, it really has to start. If you want to be there with God, it has to start with discipline. It has to start with disciplines, to, deciding that what you want for tomorrow is worth the investment for today. Deciding that greater friendship with God is worth turning off your phone for an hour or two. Or maybe a whole day. I mean, think of the peace that might come as we leave our phones in the drawer. It's deciding that time with the Lord is so important that you schedule and plan it on your calendar, really locking it in. And then once it's there, it's really choosing to live in these moments, to push everything else aside, to count all as loss so you can focus and wait and listen to lay everything down for the opportunity to know God more. I just think about the conversations that I've had over coffee. It's not something that you rush. It's not something that you're looking at your clock. It's not something, any good conversation over coffee rarely involves text messaging. We need to focus. We need to be disciplined. We need to step into these moments to really be present for the opportunity to know God more. Because when we do, when we get there, and we stay there, and, and, we, and we really be there and be present, something significant starts to happen. And not, and not all at once. Not all at once, but, but when we do, a relationship starts to form. A friendship starts to grow. The more we put ourselves in proximity to Christ and focus our eyes on him to see moments and build memories together, it's there that we begin to grow. We grow there. Or as Paul says in verse 9, we become one. We become one. Bringing it back around to my relationship with Becca, it took time. It took way more time than I thought for me to actually see everything I learned about her from a distance. It took time for me to experience all the details I believed to be true about her. All those things I, I, I learned before I got, got in the same place. It took, it took time getting there to share moments. Then, then it took being there to, to build memories to finally grow finally grow a relationship and the intimacy necessary to be who we are today. To be who we are today. It took me laying down my own thoughts, my own dreams, my own passions, and my own goals to make room in my life, in our life, to receive her thoughts, her feelings, her dreams, and her favorites. It took me saying no to everyone else 
including myself, so I could say yes to the one who matters most. And this, friends, this is what it takes to grow. This is what it takes to grow, to know and be known by God. It's showing up. It's sitting down. It's sticking around and laying everything down on the altar for the sake of knowing him. It's not fast. Can't download a relationship with God. It's not easy. It's not simple. You can't stay on the surface or, or click add friend. You can't get someone else to do it. It's on you, just like any relationship, any friendship. It can't be one-sided. If you want to know and be known by God, which is what matters most in this life, if you want to know and be known, then you've got to put in the work. But what's so amazing, oh my goodness, our God is so good, amen? What's so amazing is that God, he's in it for you. He's already in it, and he wants, he wants to know you. He wants to know every part of you. He doesn't want to be reserved for an hour and 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. He wants every part of your life. And not to control you, but to show you what life was always intended to be. He wants to know you from here to heaven, and he'll do everything he can. He's already done everything he can to make the introduction, to break the ice. He's already done everything. You just need to get there. You just need to be there and choose to grow. Choose to grow wherever you are until he brings you somewhere else. To know and be known. There is no greater thing. This is Philippians 3, 1 through 11. And uh, we're going to close in just a minute. We're going to close. Service is just about done. Thanks for sticking, sticking with it. Rebecca and John, why don't you guys come on up? You're going to lead us in a time of reflection and response. But as they do, um, I, I just need you, to, I need you to understand that I already know that this is what you want. I'm not questioning your desire to know God at all. I know that you want a greater friendship and relationship with God. That's why you're here and why you're not at brunch right now. And brunch is so good. It's so good. But I already know that this is what you want. But sometimes we just need to, sometimes we just need to decide together who we will be and where we will go. And so let us contend for one another this morning. Let us contend to be a church that chooses to move beyond observing from a distance to really getting into God's presence. Let us, let us be a church of focus and discipline so we can be present in his presence. And let us be a church willing to push everything else aside, to count it all as loss for the sake of knowing and growing in relationship with him. Just like we said in our confession, we believe this is the way, the only way. There is no greater thing than to know and be known by him. So I just want to pray for you. I want to pray courage over your life that today, maybe for the first time, you begin to step beyond the facts and into friendship. That maybe for the first time you'd begin to be present in his presence. That you
would step into the disciplines necessary to really grow in that relationship, that friendship with God. Because He is here. God created the entire universe, and yet He is here for you. God left heaven behind because He didn't want it without you. And now He is here in this place, and He just wants, He just wants your attention. He just wants you to know Him and be known by Him. So I want to pray for you that maybe, maybe, maybe today for the first time this would be a moment for you. But otherwise it would just be a prayer of courage for everyone in this room to be there, to get there, to be there, and to continue to grow. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We're so grateful for the investment you've made in our lives. God, we're so grateful that you are with us and you are for us. We ask God even now that, that you would just encourage us, encourage our faith. Encourage our obedience, God. Encourage our disciplines that we might live like you and in your presence. God, if there's anyone here, even now, that's just hearing this and they're saying it's too good to be true, God, we ask that you would just lay heavy on their heart, on their mind, God, that they might feel the weight lifted off today for the first time as they acknowledge your presence, as they acknowledge who you are as they finally stop striving to be good enough or be someone other than you say, they settle into this new life, this new rhythm, a friendship and relationship with you. So Jesus, we are so grateful for today. We're so grateful that you want to be known and you want to know us, every part of us. So God, we lay it all down before you today say, knowing you, there is no greater thing. Knowing you, being known by you, there is no greater thing. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen.